Welcome to Never End the Story, a rewatch podcast where we watch the movies of our childhood, along with Tepper, a grown man who's never seen them before. I'm your host, Ivan, dreaming of the city. I'm Chris. I would like to thank you for the joy you bring. I'm Shauna, and just because my teeth are spiritual does not mean I can bite ghosts. And I'm Tepper, and I got nothing. Because everybody else took everything from me. You got something. You got a trunk. It's getting really crowded in here, guys. <laughs> this week, we'll be watching Ferris Bueller's Day Off, directed by John Hughes, released in 1986. During the parade scene, several of the people seen dancing originally had nothing to do with the film. They were simply dancing along to the music being played, and John Hughes found it uh, so humorous that he told them to record uh, their dancing. I brought this movie to us this week. Why? Um, I saw this movie a few times when I was young. I don't even remember when. I'm pretty sure my mom's boyfriend's son introduced me to this movie probably in early high school or maybe late middle school. And... He was, he was a cool dude, so that was probably part of the reason I enjoyed the movie, is because I just enjoyed hanging out with him. Does anyone else have a personal connection to this film? Um, I know I didn't like it. I, I only watched the first ten minutes, and I had a moral opposition to this movie, because I was a very straight-laced student. Like, I once had to convince my parents to let me go to school. Uh, so this did not jive with who I was in high school and I I just like nope this isn't for me and I turned it off (laughs) I think we need to know more about that story but maybe we'll just save it for the intermission (laughs) Uh, anyone else Um, I've seen it a bunch I'm excited to watch it again it's got a lot of really good moments Uh, it kind of uh is like back to the future in my assessment of it like kind of perfect like everything is done correctly um and it's john hughes like you know that's that's real good stuff yeah i don't know any of his other works yeah you definitely do you just don't know he made them what are some other films that he's made uh breakfast club pretty in pink have watched neither really 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 that's a surprise to me huh um i'm trying to think national lampoons um i think he did christmas vacation national lampoons christmas vacation too i think he might have done all the uh, national lampoon movies actually none of those weird science nope really you've never seen weird science or the breakfast club really really wow we gotta we gotta move all these onto the list he did home alone i what? think oh, okay oh, oh. Now, think. now we're talking that was my okay. childhood movie okay okay i think he just produced home alone now that i think of it boo whatever <laughs> Uh, we are now showing Tepper the poster for the movie. Tepper, what do you think this film is about? 
Um, so I'm going to describe the poster first in red, uh, bolded, le uh, capital letters at the top says leisure rules. And below is a picture of either Ferris or his friend. Bueller. Bueller. Um, uh, and then below that it says, uh, there's like some tiny writing, but the quality of this poster isn't great, so I can't read that. One man struggle to take it easy. Oh, no, I was saying the red, the red oh. above that. Uh, yeah, so then, so uh, yeah, yeah, so Fierce uh, Bueller's Day Off, and then yeah, one man struggle to take it easy, and then it's just got a bunch of the, uh, credit text at the, uh, bottom. The small red text is just a John Hughes film. Oh, okay, never mind, not even that important. And the red text above just says Matthew Broderick. Ooh. Um, Look how okay. cute he was. <laughs> um, so, what is this movie about? There's going to be a kid. And he's going to have a friend named Ferris. Or maybe I'm getting it the other way around. Um... His one friend is going to be more lackadaisical, um, and the kind of like main character doesn't have a great relationship with his dad. Uh, takes the day, he skips school, uh, takes his dad's car for a joyride, uh, and they go on an adventure. Well, I think their principal or teacher will try to catch them, I think. You don't have to just read the synopsis yeah. and only half correctly. Yeah. yeah. If if yeah. if you like know things or have seen scenes, you should tell us and not like act like we're idiots. <laughs> like that was funny in Dragonheart. Okay. okay you get fine. to do that joke once. Aw. Well, I had so much fun with that. Uh yeah, no, it's fine. Um yeah, like the stuff I do know is um the scene where they do the song on the street. Uh, in the, during the parade and uh, mostly I know like a couple iconic scenes from it the like ending obviously like why are you still here it's over go home some like jokey fan theories about um, the uh, the friend and like the ending and everything um, and I read like the plot synopsis like four years ago or something like that um, so that's where I know, like, all the details that I was describing, uh, in addition to, like, a couple others, like, he totals the car and stuff, but, um, yeah, it's like, I've got, like, a rough, semi-accurate idea of what happens. All right, see you after the film. Oh, well, he's very popular, Ed. The sportos, the motorheads, geeks, sluts, bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, dickheads, they all adore him. They think he's a righteous dude. And we're back. So, what did everyone think? Um, it was a solid movie. Um, I wasn't super into the first half of it. I was kind of like, I was a little bored at parts where I was like, eh, you know, like whatever, like what's the point of this movie? But the uh, the setup they do in the first half pays off so well in the second half. Uh, and I really grew to like Ferris a lot. Um, the main, like, plot, like, like them just traveling around seeing stuff, like, I was like, whatever. Um, 
him, his cult, and him getting away with everything became hilarious. It's very fun. Like, that That just, like, uh, I just started, like, laughing at just all the stuff, especially whenever they're like, oh, Ferris, I hope you get well, like, soon, like... And, and when she's, uh, when um, his uh, his mom's sitting down with, like, the police uh, chief, and they're like, oh, and by the way, I, tell Ferris that we hope, like, he get, he gets better. Like, the whole department's behind him. I was just, <laughs> fuck, A, A plus. God damn, is that just a beautiful subplot? Like Yeah, well, like, the really weird thing is, I don't think he puts that much effort to maintain that following. It's in the, when he hasn't left his room yet, he, like, yeah, is calling Yeah, we see people. a little bit. I think that's just, that's the maintenance that you do as, uh... Um, as a cult of personality. Yeah. There's <laughs> yeah. a Monster Hearts, uh, the queen in Monster Hearts, for people who play that, is, like, you own all these people and you, like, control their brains. And that's what he's doing. And he's very good at <laughs> yeah. it. But, but, like, that's what I love is, like, there's, like, these bits of, like, setup where I'm, like, eh, you know, like, whatever. And then it just pays off hilariously because, like, you think back to that moment and the later scenes put the early scenes into new context where you're like, oh my god, that's fucking amazing. And I guess, like, uh, to, you know, I already mostly knew everything that was going to happen, especially regarding the main plot. Um, but, like, seeing it on screen, it had a solid emotional core to the movie. The Cameron sort of story arc. Yeah. Yeah. And um, I really... Uh, the, the movie does a really good job of um ferris is a great foil to cameron and i love the movie playing the two of them together like that because it, it's just so perfect where you've got like cameron you, you know it's kind of obvious stuff that i'm going to be stating but like you know you've got cameron who's this guy who's not confident probably doesn't have many friends has issues with his family and just in general seems like a pretty miserable dude and then you have Ferris, who is the exact opposite. And, like, seeing them together is just... Makes for, like, great moments. And also is, like, really good for, like, Cameron's emotional development, too. I, I don't remember who said it, but someone called him a trickster god near the start of the me. movie. Yes. <laughs> Correct. Like, yeah. Like, he is a coyote character. He's supernaturally, yeah. like... And he teaches people lessons. Like, it's it's kind of like a... Um, yeah, it's it's really fun. Yeah, I really like this. This was surprisingly heavier than I would have thought for this huh. movie. And um, and the thing too that I really enjoyed about this movie is their use of um, coincidence and visual gags, like stuff like uh, when his dad looks over at the taxi, sees the three of them, the camera moves back focusing on the dad, moves back over, only shows her. That is very much like his entire role in the movie, pretty much, is those very good visual gags of... The dad? Yeah. Yeah, of his <laughs> unintentional catching Ferris, but not noticing. He, like, four times. <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's not even, like, just him. Like, there's just all sorts... Like, when the when the guys who took the car for their for the joyride they, as they're walking to the garage, they roll up, come around, get out of the car, give it to... Like, it was just... Oh, oh so good. Well, yes. it, it all cul culminates in the in the not-chase scene, as, as John said. And, and that's where, like, I really enjoyed the second half of the movie, 
a lot. And, like, that was one of the reasons... Like, that chase scene... Like, again, the camera work. He comes out in front of the car. They pull, like, the Western camera angle, right? Like, for, like, spaghetti westerns. Focus on the eyes. Facial expression. They look at each other. The challenge is issued. Audience knows <laughs> what's going on. She puts the pedal in the metal. He starts running. And it's just so good and like seeing him go through like the backyard through the homes like that whole sequence is just incredibly well shot i thought uh to my obviously like not film expert eyes um just running through and it's like very like ferris too like to his character uh you know like when he goes by the two uh sunbathing girls and then goes back hi i'm ferris <laughs> and then he gets back to running like He's he's a well realized character, and just yeah, just great. Don't mind me. Smells good. Dinner's ready. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> just runs through someone's house, but yeah, it's cool. Or one of the great things. So like the whole like sister subplot, like when she sees, uh, save Ferris on like the water tower. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> I like Jeannie's great. Like that's yeah. um Yeah, Jeannie's story was fun and her just meeting cosmic Charlie Sheen who gives <laughs> her good life advice and she tells him her one name which is Jeannie and nothing else. <laughs> but some but most boys call me Shauna. There's only one Shauna. Do you guys think any boy has ever called that character Shauna? Like I that's a thing that uh... she wishes would happen, I feel like. <laughs> yeah, probably not. You better not. <laughs> We're coming for you. You hear that, John Hughes universe? <laughs> John Hughes cinematic universe. Um, uh, no, like yeah, like that subplot was great, and um, just yeah, like I thought, like the camera work wise, from what I saw, like it was good. Like it's oh. um. It's hard for me to really find things to really criticize about this movie, except for the fact that, like, yeah, I kind of found the first half a bit dull, and it took some time for, like, the plot to really get its legs going, um, and, like, Cameron took some time to also get going, but, like, I know that was probably almost certainly done on purpose. Like, he was meant to be this, like, mostly unlikable character who's a real killjoy, and then for the movie to go, like, and then here is why he is the way he is. Um, so I can't criticize that too harshly, other than, you know, like, watching it for a bit was, like, a bit eh. Uh, but it paid off a lot in the second half, I thought. Um, so, I like, Ferris doesn't learn anything or grow as a person. No, he loses out on getting a car, but he's not informed of that information. Yeah. Well, and I don't think that's his role. Like, no, he, he, it's, it's he, Cameron. Yeah. Cameron and Jeannie go on a journey. Like they're the they sort of like shunt the main character beats over to those characters, and it's very yeah. satisfying. And it's about more for Jeannie and less for Cameron, but it's it's kind of about their relationship to Ferris. Yeah, no, exactly. Because like Ferris, being the trickster god of moral master that he is, uh, is you know he's not supposed to learn anything. He's the guy who gets away with everything at the end, uh, but who makes everybody else learn a lesson in the process. Um, 
yeah, he he was great. Um, the uh, there were some pretty solid movie references and like references in general in this movie without being too gratuitous either. And like a lot of the time, I like like the one that sticks out to me is when uh, the secretary goes like, "Oh, you just sounded like uh, Dirty Harry," and then he <laughs> does like the facial look because like what I like about that is like one like it's it's funny if you know about Dirty Harry. And, like, two, it does a lot to inform the audience of what that character is like and what he thinks about himself. Mm -hmm. Because right away I was like, okay, yeah, no, like, I know exactly what they're going for with this guy in this movie simply because of the use of that comparison. Um, So, like, yeah, like, I thought it was, yeah, like, the references and stuff were pretty well done. Um... Another, like, small note that I have in here is the newspaper. Well, I think it's, if I caught it properly, it's Baseball, Shame, and Cocaine. Yes, that was the headline below <laughs> yeah. Local yeah. Boy Dying or whatever. Yeah. I just thought that was that was perfect. The time-traveling newspaper. Or the newspaper written by the Illuminati, who Fer- yeah. Ferris's family are members of. So they get to write the news and read it in advance. It might have been like an afternoon edition of the school paper, which that <laughs> businessman was reading. You mean his father? Yeah. He like he likes to be informed about about his children's oh. school. <laughs> we have a excellent couple of business dads in this film. Yeah. We, yes, we do. I was just thinking about that. <laughs> this is our best business dad to anything else ratio. Like we were worried because there weren't that many, and this movie gave us two. We gotta worry say, about the Vermont people. Well, I would say three. Yeah, the Bueller's dad, or, or Ferris's dad, um, Cameron's dad, and uh, uh, Ferris's mom. I, I mean, Cameron's Cameron. dad's not in the movie. Yeah, but he has a presence and a huge role. Yeah, I wouldn't say he's business. He's more of a emotional abuse dad. Oh, uh, well, that's I mean, an important part of it, of many good business dads. All right, fair. Listen, son, you really need to get over your mother's death. Stop drawing unicorns and get back in school, <laughs> you little pussy. <laughs> and don't touch the Ferrari. <laughs> I really like how that scene played out. I'll kill you like I killed your mom. <laughs> what? Uh, just... <laughs> Moonflower. <laughs> Filthy commie hippie. She got what was coming to her. Oh no. Uh, But I really like how they played that car scene because it got very deep and heavy and emotional. And then it ends kind of light. Where he destroys the car, you mean? Yeah. Yeah, and just like, no, you know what? I'll take this. I got this. And like you... It lifts you back up. It's, it's, it was very well done. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, it was Ferris's goal all along. Like, he wanted to he wanted to break Cameron out of where he was. Yeah, and it was a great culmination of Cameron's, like, character arc over the movie. And a great, like, symbolic thing of his final, like, his rebellion against his father by destroying the object of his father's great affection. You know, because he talks about it many times. Like, oh, my father loves this car. My father loves this car more than he loves my mom. He never drives this car. It's just like a showpiece. Like, there's that, like, resentment, and then finally he goes, you know, like, he destroys it. Semi-purposefully. Yeah. Yep. And on the topic of that car, just, like, 
Ferris looks like he's orgasming. Or <gasps> Ferris looks like he's having sex with it when he gets into it at the beginning. Because it's a Ferrari. Oh yeah. <laughs> it was I was a little uncomfortable. It's what Ferraris are for. I don't blame the guy, it's really even nice if car. it is a fake Ferrari. So the soundtrack. It's so choice. That was a good Yeah, the soundtrack really like it does a lot of work. Yeah. And like, um heavier than I thought it would be. Like there's certain sequences where they really pump up the volume of the music. Uh like when the mom's walking toward his room. Like that was I believe Chris you commented on it as well. Where you were saying something like the music's getting heavier. Or I think that was I think that was Shauna. Yeah, yeah, I said like oh, they're, okay, they're going hard on the soundtrack. Like that was a yeah. that was a horror movie. Yeah, I think it's I think it, there's an intentional lack of silence in almost the entirety of the movie. Yeah, well, it's very especially compared to the other John Hughes films. It's very cartoony. Yeah, like it like, and this comes to like where Ferris is. Yeah, more like a cult leader slash cartoon character than he is like a real person. What's well, like it's a it's a fantastical universe. It's like community or yeah. something, you know? Like it's it's yeah, realistic, yeah. but it has a sort of fantastical bent to it. Yeah, where you can get a like a you know, you can hijack a parade float and start a new song on it. Like it's it's good. It's um they got the Star Wars music. That's <laughs> mind blowing to me. <laughs> Oh, so something that I didn't even acknowledge when I was younger, because it just didn't cross my mind, Ferris is just lip-syncing the entire time through yeah. both songs, right? Yeah. I, I just, like, as I, did, I completely forgot about the first song, but the second one I just assumed that was him singing. Huh. Yeah, like the first song sung by a woman. No, I know, exactly. No. Like that one, obviously. That's Wayne Newton. Is what? it? Right. That, is a, that is a boy man. A boy man. That is oh, a beautiful, well, like, fifties uh, or I think fifties boy man. Oh, okay. Well, we don't we don't know music. I mean, I especially don't know music, so he just has a very high voice. All right, because I just I noted that's very much not Ferris's voice. Yeah. Oh, so you thought this was like a, a very old lesbian love song? I like that idea. <laughs> I'll be honest, I did not listen to the lyrics. Oh, okay. I like to just jam to the music. Meaning has no place in music. Only jams. How did he get on that float? Does he just know... He knows a guy in the German-American society or whatever, he I guess. No, uh, he just told somebody that he knew a guy. Right. Yeah, he he knows how to get into places, and that's confidence. He's just like, hey, dancer, you know me. Let me up there. And they're like, I guess I do. So speaking about that, that makes me think, like, one of the only sequences that I was real, like, pretty met on is the one when he uh, goes to the fancy restaurant with the two of them. I liked his moxie there. He's like, we're gonna get caught. And no, I am not getting caught <laughs> by this fuck. Yeah. I will get like, caught by anybody, but not this guy. Well, no, I will not get caught by anybody, but especially not this fuck. Yeah. yeah. It's just, I love that moxie. Yeah, like, that was nice, but I just found the whole sequence kind of pointless, I guess, and, like, very forgettable, considering I only just remembered about it again, <laughs> and uh, unnecessary. 
Well, I mean, like I, I, I feel like they could remove that and nothing of value would be lost. No, they have to set that up because um, obviously at the German-American festival is where the actual sausage king of uh, Chicago is. <laughs> then why did he make reservations for that day? I guess he I... just has them for every day. Yes. <laughs> you think they would know what he looks like? <laughs> <laughs> maybe, that, maybe, no, that, no. maybe that guy just, just started... Or he makes the reservations every day, but mostly doesn't show up. That that was that was that guy's first day. What was his training like? Like, here you go. Um, if there are any customers, be a real asshole to them. <laughs> well, I mean, like, even still, like, you don't let people in if they're not properly attired, even if they do have a reservation. I don't know. And, I guess it wasn't lovely. that fancy a restaurant. I guess they just want to pretend they're fancy. People in this universe are terrified of being caught in, like, social faux pas. That is the absolute worst fate. Except when they think have. Except when they think they have the advantage. Oh, true. Then they go hard. <laughs> <laughs> as soon as they, anyone thinks they have the advantage on Ferris, they go super hard. This RPG has a strife mechanic. Man, that, that sequence at the end where he's got the key and he's like, is this what you're looking for? Like, oh my god. <laughs> he really wanted to bust a Ferris. Oh, that was so good. The police are terrible at their job. Arrest this principal or whatever he is. Dean of students. Oh, yes. Yeah, he should really be fired. We, we we took your daughter in for from for making a false uh, claim of a of a break in, despite there being broken items outside the house and a wallet in the kitchen. Yeah, yeah, and like this muddy footprint through the whole fucking house, and the dog's been and killed. a drugged a drugged dog. Oh, I thought he smashed the thing on the dog's head. Oh yeah, I guess that's what he did. I thought he like bonked the dog, and like yeah. the um. Uh, like, his shoe was, like, torn up in the backyard. Yep. Like, there was so much evidence of, like, no... They were they were just doing what Ferris told them to. As the, as the mecha warlock of the Illuminati. <laughs> yeah. Ferris is, uh, obviously the leader of the secret shadow government. Oh, that reminded me of a, uh, a hypothetical I wanted to provide. What if Ferris Bueller was the main character of House of Cards? Whoa. I've, I've never Just like 20, 20 years later. <laughs> or 30 or whatever is required nah, the, to be a senator. The main guy in House of Cards is too inelegant at times to be Ferris. No, not in the early seasons. Yeah, I, I just... Okay, so let me give some context here. I haven't watched House of Cards. I just heard a lot of complaints about the later seasons boil down to the fact that he just yells at people and they do what he tells them to do. But I mean, I he heard... becomes the president, so I guess that's how you get things done. Yeah, I, I haven't seen the later seasons, but... Yeah, that, that's just what I heard about them is that it goes from, like, I'm very clever to I just yell at you and people will do what I tell them. Even it's though... just... It's, yeah. it's a very clever man who has gigantic plans and executes them flawlessly, but also breaks the fourth wall. So it's basically Ferris Bueller. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. <laughs> I cannot poke any holes in this. Airtight assessment. Yeah, it would just be like that, but with a lot more like, 
Home Alone style slapstick if you just threw that into House of Cards then it would be Ferris Bueller House of Cards <laughs> <laughs> instead of just like st- strangling someone to death he'd just like tie a trophy to a string and like hang it from a door <laughs> and trick people no one's any the wiser that he's actually trying to kill the president or oh. whatever exactly happened in that show so that's the thing I wanted to talk about where the fuck do these people live and why is everyone so rich <laughs> like everyone has a pool and a mansion for a like a, like Cameron is specifically called out as his parents are rich right and we see uh, it's a very famous house um in uh Chicago and but but then when we see Ferris's house also a mansion um I don't know where the pool was but also a mansion <laughs> I mean that I think that was his backyard okay um, and when he drops off Sloan, that's a ridiculous mansion. Yeah. I think they're just, that's their friend group, the rich kids. That makes more sense why, um, he runs this town. Yeah, it's because he controls the media. <laughs> and mean... prints papers in advance. <laughs> we see him do that. So, Ferris's girlfriend. So she's kind of like a story prop. But, how do I put this, um, she feels less like a story prop how women are usually used as story props. Like, she's his accomplice, like, she doesn't contribute anything, but she goes along with him and reaps all the non-consequences. Yeah, she's kind of like a sidekick number two. Yeah, like, she, she, she's very similar to Cameron but has nothing no need to grow doesn't like she, seem like there's... she has any problems no exactly that's what yeah like she's dating Ferris Bueller what could be better like she feels like it feels like she's also a god not of trickery but of something but she's just like going along with this trickster god for fun god of mansions <laughs> yeah well she does like do the like the sequence in the taxi is her saving them mm-hmm. like and there's... like She's she's involved in the uh, dining the lunch scene as well. Yeah, like she's um, trickery. She's similar, like like you can obviously tell why her and Ferris are together. Like they they have like at least to me like they had some decent chemistry going, and uh, like she helps complete the group. Like I feel like that like this movie wouldn't be as good without her in that trio. And yeah. Yeah, like obviously her role isn't as big as Ferris and Cameron's. Um She doesn't get to do anything. I didn't think about that until you brought it up, Shauna, but she doesn't really get to do anything. Yeah, again, like she is a prop. She does set into motion her a little bit the the dean of students thing, because Ferris busts her out with her dead grandma. Mm-hmm. And so that sets him off on a bit of a suspicion streak. Well, and like, she knew so in advance that this was happening. Like, yeah. as soon as the nurse came to her classroom, she was yeah. putting on her jacket. Yeah, it seems like Ferris spent, like, at least a couple weeks planning this. Yeah, or just, like... Or a week. Or he's just that good. <laughs> Yeah, he's the best. And that, I don't think any of us liked the father kiss. <laughs> I don't it, have an, I don't really it, have an issue with it. It was just the weird <laughs> implication. 
Yeah. Yeah, I, I would say, like, right away, I brought me back to when we watched Back to the Future and <laughs> I was like like the ship the like a cold sweat formed and I was like Mama please no thirsty. <laughs> please stop I can't oh, yeah, it was like, so uncomfortable that movie I never thought about it when I was younger so when it happened again I was just like still didn't like it's like yeah I guess that is weird I mean like it's obviously intended to be weird but give papa a kiss you have no do you have a kiss for daddy Oh yeah. yeah! Oh yeah! The way he said it too was super creepy. Uh... Yeah, like it, it did its job, like within the movie. So like it was weird, but it was meant to be weird. It was uncomfortable, but it was meant to be like that. What's well, it's supposed to be a joke and I guess a clue for Mr. Rooney? Yeah. Hashtag fire Mr. Rooney. Yeah. <laughs> Out of a cannon. Yep. <laughs> He should be fired. Out of a cannon. Yes. He also, like, I, I really like that everyone that's trying to get Ferris, like everyone that's against him, also at first does what he's doing and then does much worse than he has done. Yeah. Uh, like, Jeannie ends up skipping school, which is what she's so mad at him for doing. And Mr. Rooney just leaves his fucking job like there's presumably a thousand other students that have actual problems. That's fine. That's what teachers who don't care about you are for. Are you a, you shouldn't be allowed to leave school premise like are these billable hours that you're going to a pizza place and accosting young women and telling them you you own their asses or whatever? <laughs> well, and like, He's on the hunt. Um it is the job of a dean of students. But that's usually like the beauty of trickster characters in like media is that they're at their best when they can get their opponents to defeat themselves. Right. Which which is exactly what Ferris did to him. And well, yeah, he, like he uses his uh his Eidolon or familiar or whatever, a terrifying Rottweiler. <laughs> it's also super weird that a high school has a dean of students. Must be big. Yeah, like I don't know, maybe that's an American thing we don't know about. I was just looking up the definition of a dean of students, and the only ones I was finding it were, were college-related. That seems reasonable. I mean, I thought you just had a bunch of vice principals. That's how most reasonable people do it. Yeah, yeah movie... but they didn't want to give him the title of vice principal. Movies about, like, any kind of schooling, they don't they don't usually get it. Well, I don't think... They, uh, they exist yeah. in, like, a... Yeah, in, like, a hyper reality school where there are like bullies and cliques and like lockers that you get shoved in yeah i was gonna say like it'd be pretty boring if they made schools fit closer to reality immediately like the fun thing about schools in these types of movies is the fact that they're not realistic uh especially in this movie like you know it'd be so much more boring if he just went like, well, Ferris is out of school. I'm off work at 4.30. I don't care about this one student. Like, whatever. Let's just get back to work. You know? He wants to own his ass. <laughs> but but you know what I mean? Because, like, yeah, like, if we wanted to really go closer to reality, well, like, movies could be pretty pretty boring if that was the case. Um, well, I think, it, I think it represents a reality through sort of the fantasy of it like the 
the way that the word travels so fast through the school and like people are like um collecting money for him they would need fifty thousand dollars yeah <laughs> for his kidney yeah, yeah so yeah. you can get a new kidney um and like he knows a bunch of freshmen and that's how he like disseminates his misinformation into the school it's like there's um there's a lot of stuff that rings true to a high school experience that is hy- hyper you know uh sort of yeah, inflated yeah. in this movie but uh it 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 represents a reality yeah, 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 but like, but its exaggeration makes it really good. Oh yeah! <laughs> oh yeah! Bow, bow. Uh, <laughs> um, the uh, like lots of other places have talked about this, but the uh, um, art institute of uh, scene is great. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, Oof, really. Like they were just actually appreciating art. For no speaking, and I think this is from, like, John Hughes's um, commentary on the movie, I think. So it's not anything crazy, but, uh, like, him looking at, I forget the name of the painting, um, but looking at that, like, pointillism painting, uh, Cameron, I mean, that is so powerful. Like, he's staring at the parent with the child, and, like, the, uh, the closer he looks at the stuff, there's less to see there. And he's, you can see his brain. Like, I think that's the start of the crisis that he has in the backseat of the car. And he's lying to himself when he's like, this is a great day. Yeah, no, and that's, like, the beauty of this movie, I find, is, like, for what is overall, like, a pretty lighthearted movie, there's some really good, like, symbolism that is, like, inserted into the movie without beating you over, like, the head with it. Like, a reasonably intelligent person looking at this movie without having, like, any background in, you know, film criticism or anything could look at that and make that reasonable connection of, like, oh, okay. But it's not like the movie, like, looks at the camera and goes, like, hey, you know how he's looking at that painting? Yeah, look how he's looking at, you know, the mother and the child. Like, isn't that clever? Um... The movie, it flows so well into the movie. Yeah. Like, it doesn't feel forced. It just happens. And that that's a long sequence of just music and and looking at characters, looking at art, you know? It's very... Yeah. It's a cool move. Yeah. I liked how it opened of just these uh, little kids holding hands, and then they come in and they're also holding the kids' hands. <laughs> that was just adorable. Yeah, well, and, like, they're in the middle of the group, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's very cute. Yeah, there's there's... The beauty of this movie, I think, like, like it didn't blow my mind. And, like, if somebody came to me and was like, hey, like, let's let's watch this movie. Like, unless they really wanted to, I'd probably be like, eh, yeah, like, whatever. Um, there's all sorts of just small details, like, all over the place in this movie that are, that, like, stick out and are memorable. Uh, like, the flip sunglasses. Yes. It's timed with the music. It's very good. Yeah. Um, the secretary who we loved very much. Yeah. Yeah. She's great. And I think you are right, Ivan, that she's like fucking with Mr. Rooney. (laughs) Like she's playing dumber than she is to mess with him. Yeah. Only probably to a small degree. She like, she's definitely, she definitely likes to see him succeed, but she likes to make it tough. Um, 
when she calls Jeannie such a little asshole or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 So well, and, well, and when she walks in, it's like, oh, Jeannie, who's bothering you now or something like yeah. that. Like, it was just... <laughs> yeah, it was good. So I don't think Jeannie's ever seen Mr. Rooney before as part of this. I guess not. I mean, he's not looking good, and he's also in their house, like... Fair. I do like the, like, fall of Mr. Rooney, how, like, completely messed up he is by the end of the movie. He's just, like, his eyes are dead. And that walk of shame inside the school bus. Yeah, oh. I mean, they could do it because it was over the credits, but they really took their time with that scene. Like, that was just... Yeah. (laughs) Oh. Produce a corpse. Oh, (laughs) dude. Like, start with a less risky play. Yeah, and then just, like, and then, wait, Ferris is on the other line, and just, oh, that setup was was good. It's another thing, when people try to play Ferris's game, and they aren't Ferris, like, Ferris would have gotten away with that. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. Like, people are very worried about their standing, except when they think they have one up on Ferris. Yeah. (laughs) Then they go very hard, very fast. Right. And usually fail because of it. Yes, and and realize that they thought they were two steps ahead, but they were actually playing the wrong game. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) They're playing checkers. Ferris is playing 4D chess. I really like the hacking in this movie. Because oh. there's <laughs> yeah. no... The only hacking thing we get is, I have a computer instead of a car. And he's unhappy about it, but this is the thing he reaps from it. Yeah. Well, and also, like, he decreases his days away one at a time. I mean, that's just how computers worked. <laughs> but the look on uh, the guy's face in that scene was great. And he's yelling for the secretary. Oh, that him freaking Gross. out? Yeah, that was... <laughs> Like, covering the phone when he's talking to Ferris's mom. Oof. Yeah, like, it's so good. Like, he does that scene very well. Like, trying to maintain composure on half of, on half his conversation while <laughs> letting everything out on the other half. Like, as soon as he, like, looks back at the phone, he tries to, like, compose himself, but he just can't. Um, Ferris's parents are terrible. They're terrible, terrible parents. Yeah, they're, they attempt to be good, but they they don't notice the right things. They're puppets. They're puppets of Ferris. Yeah. <laughs> they dance to his bidding. The only thing I liked that they did was when the father was like, we should shoot her. Yeah. <laughs> I thought that was such an escalation. Like, I was like, we should just shoot her. It's like, what the fuck? Yeah, that came out of nowhere. That's a good parent bit. That's like, yeah, you know, no, like... like he- he knew what his wife needed to hear. Yeah, one parent is, like, freaking out about the kid, and you're like, oh, I guess we should kill them then. <laughs> That's proper parenting. They're, like, um... I would I would argue that they're, again, they're also, like, a great foil to Cameron's parents, because, like, they're supportive in a way where, like, you can, you can look at them and go, like, okay, I see how Ferris resulted from this parenting style. Uh where they're just neglectful enough that it lets him explore his boundaries and, like, become a successful cult leader. Um, but, like, they do care. Like, you know, like, the mom comes home and, like, check up on him. Like, the dad calls. Like, there's, like, all these, like, little sequences where it's, like, 
really shows that the parents care about Ferris. I was just going to say, like, I think the movie really sets a difference between, like, there are two types of people. There are adults and there are people who are free. And and the adults are all, like, dull and and dumb and, and duped very easily. Um, mm. And sometimes, like, villainous. Yeah. Uh, and, and then there are, like, even the um, carjacker dudes... Like I would say, they fall into the second camp. Like they are free. They they act as young people and do what they please. Um, they get some of that like Ferris tricks, trickster god energy when they touch the car. Yeah, that was great. Or maybe it's his five dollar bills. I mean, that's like that's what gives the energy. Um, yeah, but... like he tried to give one to the the guy at the restaurant, yeah. and he threw and he rejected it, so he didn't absorb the energy. So instead, he had to break him. He could have become a puppet, but instead, he he became a he became an example. <laughs> you could have been one of my flock. Now, instead, you shall be made an example of. No shame. Paris um, has a wad of cash, though. Yeah, it's never. Yeah, no, he's rich. I guess that's rich. what that's the explanation. Yeah. So the synthesizer that he owns. At the time, cost like eight and a half thousand dollars. And he threw a baseball at it. Well, to turn it off. Well, and I mean, and I mean, like the thing is, I think, like even if, even if, say, like he wasn't rich, like I would even say that he probably runs some scheme at school that he ends up yeah. making money off of. I I feel like he doesn't need money. Like, hey, Ferris, here's fifty thousand dollars for your kidney. Yeah. Like, thanks, guys. I'll go get that treatment. <laughs> Also, I guess I guess movie and TV is always like conspicuously like you 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 have to be a little bit more fantastic and rich than real life, or it would be very hard to film in your tiny tiny room. Yeah, I like we get one point where Ferris's plans almost fall apart, and it's very funny. It's when he puts all the effort onto Cameron on the phone, mm. and oh, Cameron yeah. starts. Like, I'll meet you, and Ferris freaks out and slaps the phone out of his hand. <laughs> yeah, that is the one time where we kind of see him, like, really lose composure. <laughs> and he's obviously sheepish about it, because he won't apologize afterwards. Yeah, like, he keeps going, like, well, I'm sorry, but it was also your fault. I didn't hit you, I lightly slapped you. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that was good. And it was at the start of the movie, so I didn't really appreciate it for the for what it was but it was pretty funny so do you now see the value of skipping school yeah of, of course i know the value <laughs> of skipping school now good <laughs> you're one of ferris's flock <laughs> did you guys skip school a lot in high school did anyone here skip school never uh i had a so Going back to when we were talking earlier, I had a religion teacher who would just, it was in fourth period in high school, and he would just, he was like a big joke. Anyway, so he would just play movies and stuff. So there were like a couple days, especially toward the summertime, where I was just kind of like, hey, sir, you know, like, we're just going to be like watching movies and stuff. Can I like just go home? And he'd be like, <laughs> he had this like way of talking and he'd always raise like his pinky a bit. And he just went like, yeah, sure. Just remember, you're going to the washroom. 
<laughs> I'm like, hey, absolutely, Whoa. sir. And I just like walked out and I walked home. <laughs> Didn't say which washroom. Yeah. The washroom in my yeah. house. Yeah, but yeah, no, he just <laughs> he just like let me go, so like I went home. Uh, but uh, but really, um, uh, my my mom always had like a policy with me where she just said like if you ever want to like take a day off school or like you're not feeling well or whatever, she just goes like just tell me and I'll just call in and you can go. Wow. So wow. so yeah, I had reasonable. I kind of had that with my parents. That is very that reasonable. I took on in grade twelve. Like I think I skipped two days with their blessing. I like that wording. I, like, I definitely, there were days that I was probably, there was just something that was probably uh, unnerving me, but that, that felt sick enough that I would be like, no, I'd feel sick. Like, probably, like, just a couple, but otherwise, like, I, like, I never intentionally skipped school. It's just like, no, like, I don't think I'm well enough for this. Never an outright lie, just... You guys are all real squares. That's what I'm learning. <laughs> yep. Well, I mean, I never, you know, needed to. That was kind of my thing. Like, yeah. Also that. Yeah. Like... Um, I was the kid in class, like, oh, I got a ninety-two percent, and I get dirty looks. Blech. You get a you get a dirty look from me now. <laughs> wow, that's an escalation. You should kill her. Yeah. Mm. So, did you sk skip, like, grade 10 and 11, or, like... Who, me? Yeah. Yeah, uh, like, a lot. I might as well have. Uh... Oh, I, I skipped... I skipped grade 6. Entire, entirely. Yep. Yes, yes, Miss 92. T technically, you did. Uh, but yeah, so you actively uh, skipped a bunch? I skipped a lot, and I went to high school in a very small town that my dad worked in the one, like, there were two streets, and my school was on one, and his work was on the other. So <laughs> a lot of my high school, until I got a car, was me skipping school uh, to, like, walk around this rural Ontario town and drink Jones soda. Um and hide from my dad, who could at any moment, like, go to lunch or look out the window and see me. So, basically, small-town Ferris. Yeah, kind of this, except I was much less powerful. You didn't have a small-town cult? Very much no. What a shame. The cult already, the town already had a cult. It's called Catholicism. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Taking on the Roman Catholic Church. One v one, me Pope. <laughs> Come out, I, Chris Cardini, personally challenge you, the Pope, to one on one combat. <laughs> we'll see if the Pope calls you out on his podcast. <laughs> Pod Popecast. I'd listen to that. The Pope's call out podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I mean that's not supposed to be the purpose of the podcast. You just, when you need to, you call people out. But I guess there's nothing else he needs to to do, so he may as well just call people out on. His yeah, podcast. He, he he gets on his podcast. Yeah, and he just calls people out and goes, "I'll one v one you. Come fight me, Stephen <laughs> Colbert. Meet me in Vatican Square. <laughs> we fight to the death." That's the only very very high profile Catholic I could think of. So. I'm trying to think, like, 
I think we've gone over pretty well, like, most of the movie. Um, I think, like, okay, so, like, the only thing that I would say, like, I was, there's, like, a, a couple lines, like, there, well, not a couple, there's quite a few lines in this movie that even just on their own are just great. Like, when, um, one that stuck out to me was when Ferris was making fun of Cameron's car, and then, like, he goes something along the lines of, I don't have a car, so I have to envy yours. It's, it's, <laughs> yeah, it, uh, it's that, like... Uh, Mr. Rooney would never believe that that uh, her dad drives uh, your piece of shit car. He's like, it's not a piece of shit. It is a piece of shit. I don't even have a piece of shit. <laughs> yeah. I have to envy yours. <laughs> yeah. I, I just... Oh, man. Like Their, their, yeah, their a friendship whole... seems really real. Like, it feels really um, genuine how much they, like, get on each other's nerves and slap each other. <laughs> yeah but like it's great because like whenever something actually like serious starts to come down like you can really tell that like the facade drops and oh yeah and they like love each other especially on ferris's part yeah yeah because like it would have been very very easy and like one thing i was worried about in this movie was ferris coming off as an unlikable asshole who gets away with everything but the movie did a good job of like avoiding that yeah he's a likable asshole who gets away with everything yeah, and isn't, like, a total dick to his friends. No, like, like he does. He says at the beginning, like, the reason, at least half the reason he took this day off was for Cameron. So I'm kind of curious what the, like, Cameron fan theory that you knew about before this movie was. Uh, uh, that I think, if I can remember correctly, again, like, this is probably just from random internet browsing from a couple of years ago, is that Ferris isn't actually real. Oh, it's a Fight Club situation. It's a yeah, Burton. yeah, yeah. We're so like, yeah. Ferris isn't actually real, and it's just like, like I said, I can't remember the details, but uh, uh, something along the lines of, you know, he uses Ferris to come to terms with everything. Blah blah blah. Uh, you know, that standard thing. I feel huh. like too many of the secondary characters focus on him to give that too much credence. You know how fan. No, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not ninety-nine percent of them are total garbage and deserve to be disregarded. But I guess, like, yeah, if it was like a a Fight Club, it could kind of work because that's where like like everyone talks about Tyler Durden. Yes. So it'd be the same thing where everyone's talking about Ferris Bueller. But he is Ferris Bueller. Spoilers. Um... I, ha- I haven't seen <laughs> Ferris Bueller yet. I haven't seen Ferris Bueller Club. First rule of Ferris Club talk constantly about ferris club <laughs> and wish him well <laughs> yeah blow him kisses <laughs> wish him well with the kidney transplant um there is like it's not even a shot it's like a split second uh in the parade scene where the like large um man with the blue suit and the sash that says honored guest is like really getting down to um the Beatles, that's awesome. That's all. I just loved his face. He was <laughs> he was so full of joy. Uh, but yeah, like other than that, like uh, I'm I don't have too much more to talk about personally. I'm not sure if you guys have anything. I liked the the pool scene where Cameron finally let go. Like it, it felt mm, very yeah. dramatic just underwater. Yeah, it was. It was really. Um, I, I absolutely agree with you because, like, that was like a good scene to show, like, 
the level of stress that Cameron was under was like absolutely soul crushing. Well, yeah, and like the first time we see him, he is laying in bed and he like is singing sad songs to himself, and there's just an array of like pills and uh, like all kinds of shit. Like it's just you get a very clear yeah. picture that this is a very depressed per- man. You know, I mean, I mean, saying that like at least in the initial context of the movie, like I thought, like I was like, okay, like it's like semi played for laughs at least at least to my like my initial impression was like haha look there's like this super sick guy in bed and uh ferris really wants him to get out of bed and like join him and like he's actually sick compared to you know ferris's fake sickness like a good no no the contrast but then again again as with like a lot of scenes in this movie like later on it gets recontextualized and you're like wait no like he actually is fucking miserable yeah and is like not in a good space mentally. Yeah, and like, uh, yeah, and like Ferris knows that from the beginning and tells Cameron it, but that's not enough to help a person. Yeah, like when he's just like, he hangs up on Ferris and he's like, "I'm dying," and then Ferris calls back. He's like, "You're not dying. You just don't know what to do with your life." Yeah. If any of you ever get that depressed, I will Ferris Bueller you. Thank you, Chris. Well, thank you. Force you to have a. Thank you. (laughs) This is a pact hereby we strike. The the Ferris (laughs) pact. Yeah. Now we just need to, like, mix our blood together. Yeah, we cut our palms. You know, I've read that that's actually, like, a terrible idea to do. Yes. Don't mix. Like, uh, open wounds. Bad. Oh, oh, not, not even that. Like, cutting your palm for, like, to give, like, blood sacrifice is just, like, a pretty, uh, dumb idea. Like, to damage the palm, or what? Yeah, yeah, well, to damage like, the palm, I should say. If if you want to get blood out of a person, there are less painful and, like, less necessary parts of your body you could get blood out of? Is that Yeah, yeah but it's... Yeah, essentially. It's less... It, it isn't as dramatic. Yeah, obviously. I, I'm just saying, like, <laughs> as, as, like, a joking reality thing, I've read that in a couple places where, like, yeah, no, cutting your palm is really fucking dumb. I don't know. I want to see a scene in, like, a movie or something where they're just, like, uh, some, some like, this group of friends, or they agree to a blood pact, and then they, like, go to a doctor and, like, each have, like, a small needle of blood extracted from them and then just, like, mixed onto, on, like, a, on, like, a uh, sterile board. It's <laughs> <laughs> like, the blood pact is complete. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yep. The doctor rings a gong. <laughs> He just has a gong in his office. Any good doctor. Yeah. Any doctor of blood sacrifices. Or not blood (laughs) sacrifices. Those two. I mean, normally you double major. Well, he's a blood doctor. (laughs) I want to see a blood pack, but like done in footsies. (laughs) Like cutting your foot or just footsies? With footsies. Okay. Like you cut beforehand, but then you do footsies. Oh, God. Yeah, that sounds like something you'd be into. Bloody feet rubbing against each other, that seems... Well. Well. I think we should move on to... Do you have one, or are you prompting someone else for one? I'm prompting... Okay, there you go. Tap the tops. (laughs) Tepper's tops. Jazz hands. I'm honored by your great words i almost uh, i almost just did it to the theme of never end the story and then just stopped abruptly <laughs> <laughs> tappers tops 
What could they be? E. E. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, so... Um, movie ranking. Let's start with that. I think... Oh, oh, that reminds me of a question I wanted to ask you, Tepper. Yes. Uh, you said that you didn't think you would want to watch this movie again if prompted. Are there movies that we've done that you would be like, oh yeah, like I'll watch that today, you know? Um, like are any of them, would you yeah, watch any of them? Dragonheart every day. I was going to say, like, I definitely be like Dragonheart is pretty like rewatchable and it's fun. Uh, Karate Kid was actually pretty damn good. Um, Fifth Element. So the, the, the top ranking films, really? Yeah, like, I'm trying to think. Not, like, not a... Back to the Future, because incest uh, bothers you. No, you know what? Let me say, so, like, it was more, it was, it was funny. Like, that whole scene was uncomfortably funny. Right. Like, how thirsty she was for him. It wouldn't stop me from rewatching that movie. It's just more like, it was just something that stuck out to me as, yeah, like, uncomfortably funny, where it's like, oh my god, like, she's, like, really, really going at him. Like, way more than I thought that movie would go. <laughs> like, you know when you think there's, like, okay, there's, like, a line in the sand, like, they won't go beyond that, and this is, like, they just step over the, the yeah. line, and you're like, okay, wait, there's another line in the sand, they won't go over they just stepped over that too. Like, stop stepping over lines in sand. <laughs> um, but it, they didn't stop. So you know, that, that was that. It just stuck out to me. Is all. Um, like really, none of these movies. Like, like if if I was to sit down one day and go like, I want to pick a movie to rewatch. Yeah. None of these would really be on like my top ten of all like right. movies I would want to rewatch. But, like, the ones I'd be more likely to rewatch would probably be Dragonheart, Karate Kid, and Fifth Element. Interesting. But enough about that. Yeah, yeah. So, for the ranking, uh, I think I would put Ferris Bueller's Day off. Uh, you know what? For now, I think I might put it above Karate Kid. Damn. I just, like, one thing I really came to enjoy about this movie was just there's something so much fun about watching Ferris get away with everything. Yeah. Like watching the town, just like, just things work out was just really fun to me. Uh, and that came to be one of my favorite things about the movie. All right. Number four. Yeah. That's, that's, that's uh, high up there on the list. Yeah. yeah. Just below Jumanji and just above Karate Kid. Yeah. Uh, in terms of villains, Mr. Rooney, where do you put Mr. Rooney? Mr. Yeah. Ed Rooney. Um, I think put Cobra Kai up one. Duke of Owls goes down to five. And then uh, Mr. Rooney takes the four slot. Wow. Because mm. I've been thinking a bit, like, like just now I was thinking a bit, and, like, the Duke of Owls is fun... But he's just crippled by how mediocre Rockadoodle is. Whereas, like, Rooney is just the perfect Ferris Bueller villain. Yeah. Like, he just he just fits so well within that movie, and it is a good movie. So, uh, yeah. 
Uh, Whereas Komodo powerfully rises above his movie. Yeah, yeah. Like, Komodo is... um, And I think it also helps that um, Warriors of Virtue is just such an awful movie. Like, it uh, it is so bad that Komodo stands out way more. Whereas, like, Rockadoodle... Rockadoodle is competent enough to not be 100% awful, but that's actually a strike against it in this case because it's not good enough to rise above just being mediocre, if you guys understand what I'm saying. Yeah. Taking the number four slot in both movie and villain. Yeah. But what we've all been really waiting for, after our long drought of business dads, we finally have a seventh to add to our list. Where do you place Triple Threat Business Dad? Oh, are we putting... Okay, we're putting all three as one. Yeah. Um, I mean, we could also just put all three of them as three separate ones. We've been really lacking in Business is, Dads. Is this list for Business Dads, or is it the Business Dads representative of their movie? Because if it's, if it's one per movie, then we can have, you know, Triplicate Business Dad. But otherwise, it's got to be Business Dad, Vermont People Dad, and um, Ferrari Emotional Abuse Dad. Yeah. Emotional abuse business dad. Oh, sorry. It's That's a good question. Like, we've yet to have a movie with this level of business dad ratio. I guess we have to decide now, is it a list of their representation in the movie, or is it a list of the business dads? Well, are we doing anything with them? Like, are they fighting to the Shh. death as well? <laughs> it's an important list. Um, hmm... I, I think it also depends how different... Because, like, say, for example, that we have two business dads in a movie, but one is way better than the other, then we would... I guess we would just choose the better one as the representative in that case. So I would watch that movie, by the way. <laughs> two business dads in a movie. <laughs> uh, hmm. I think you made that movie, so... <laughs> I would hope... <laughs> I think we can pout. I think we can add three because we've had such a drought. But yeah, I like yeah. the one because that's nice and organized and pretty. That is a fair point. And, and I guess they weren't like radically different. No, the they're all kind of fuddy duddies except for the one we don't see. Yeah. So I think yeah, I, th- I guess we just put in like Ferris Bueller's dad off. Yeah, let's let's start them off with the triple threat. If we change our mind later, we can always separate them. Oh shit, I didn't even think of that. We kind of see Cameron's dad when they go to the stock market. Like, we just see this amalgamation of stock market yelly men. Hmm. And he's like, my dad's somewhere out there. Hmm, I missed that line. Alright. Yeah, yeah, he did say it. He said it at the top of the building with the funky hat people we didn't talk about. Oh, right! (laughs) (laughs) Who are those hat men and why do they have those crazy hats? Yeah, they're just, they don't get acknowledged, but these two men with funky hats are just there. Well, that's that's obviously for the spinoff <laughs> in the uh, Ferris Bueller uh, the Cinematic Universe. Um, That's got to be like a Chicago thing, like some kind of weird Chicago men's club or something, right? It had like a giant feather. Yeah, it looked kind of like a fish. It was like shiny, <laughs> too. Ugh. Yeah, if that was his dad, one of the shouty business people, he had an intense business dad. The 
the two men in funny hats who can be seen when Ferris and his friends are at the Sears Tower were in town on the day of shooting it to watch the German Day Parade, to which Ferris goes later on. Huh. So they were just people in funky hats. That the people were like, we like your funky hats. Be in the movie. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> uh, so this one I think is pretty easy. I'm going to put it at number two. Wow. Under Orange and Egg Dad. He's just so on the he'll, he'll never he'll never be beat. He mixes he mixes an egg into orange juice while telling his son to get over his mother's death and stop drawing unicorns. Like I don't see anyone ever beating that. <laughs> like that's impressively awful. <laughs> um, whereas like Mr. Parrish is like he's business, but he reconciles with his son. And his son doesn't live, like, most of his life under, like, fear. Right. Whereas, like, Bastion has to recreate the universe. <laughs> yeah, and, <laughs> and... Yeah, and, like, yes, like, yeah, Mr. Parrish isn't that bad. And, and still yeah, can't or, impress his dad. Do you yeah. think he, in, when his recreated universe, he, like, makes his dad the a unicorn salesman or something? Oh, that'd be great. Uh, yeah, so, triple threat business dad... Takes the number two. Damn, some real contenders from uh, the Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Mm-hmm. You know what? Like I went, I came into this movie ex- potentially expecting to find it overrated. Came away like it's pretty good. Like it is not, it is not bad. And I feel like, um, like I'm looking forward to having like two or three days to actually think about it as well. Yeah, I think it's like a perfectly put together film. Like all of the scenes land so well and are placed very well the content is maybe not perfect everywhere but and i guess ferris yeah joins the games although i feel like that'd be really unfair oh yeah it's gonna like i don't know he doesn't have any physical superpowers he's but he knows like think about how much advanced time he knows about this competition does He's he just probably not... just going to call in sick. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Basically. Sorry, I wasn't feeling well, guys. You can fight to the death without me. Yep. The Ninja Turtles are going to kill so many, like, simulacra of him. Like, made out of mannequins and hooked up to stereos. <laughs> <laughs> or just, like, women who are dressed like him, tra- uh, emulating his fashion. What? He is pretty fashionable. Well, his power is other people, so I really don't know how he's going to fare in this, honestly. Like, he has no weapons. Like, he doesn't... What item do you give him? Street smart. The synthesizer. <laughs> the synthesizer. <laughs> A car that can just fall out of the sky. That vest. Oh, yeah, I guess you would give him the Ferrari. Yeah. I don't know, I'd have to think about it. I'm you just sure, like you, you give him you give him home hometown advantage and the fight happens in Chicago. Oh, no. Oh my god, yes. <laughs> Rip everyone else. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know, like we'll we'll have to see, but he like he de- he'll have the crowd's favor. We know that for sure. Almost yeah. definitely. Okay. Yep, that's right, listeners. This upcoming intermission will be the fight yeah yeah because yeah marty and ralph macho winning last time was really fun you know what since that episode i really shipped them 
They make a nice couple. <laughs> they like compliment each other well and um, Daniel. It, <laughs> <laughs> what? Daniel LaRusso. But like, okay, Ralph fine. Machio. Do you think that Daniel can like keep a uh, a Marty McFly around when a Ferris Bueller is on the prowl? <laughs> well, obviously we'll to... they get into a polyamorous relationship. Hey, no, no, no spoilers for the future. I was gonna say eventually we're gonna have enough that we're gonna have like uh, in it's similar to Hunger Games where they invite back all the old winners. It'll be like that. That seems like a shitty thing to be invited back to. Yeah, That's get, the get, point. Get, yeah, guess what? Like Hunger Games is a shitty place. <laughs> I, th- I think invite might be the wrong word. <laughs> yeah, okay. It's okay. the word they use, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and with that, I guess it's time to rate the film. Uh, I will give this movie one righteous dude out of sportos, motorheads, geeks, sluts, bloods, wasteoids, dweebies, and dickheads. I give this movie two funky fresh hats out of no hats. <laughs> That's... There were no other hats. They were hats. There are lots of there are, there are hats. None as funky fresh as those two. Ferris wears two distinct hats. He does. It's true. Uh, I give this movie ten successful uh, plots out of ten. I give this movie nine days absent from school out of nine, it's eight, seven, six, two days absent from school. Uh, Grace! Uh, uh, and with that, I've been your host, Ivan. I'm Chris. I'm Shauna. And I'm Tepper, the guy in the trunk. Yeah, we probably should have let you know that Ferrari before the movie. <laughs> Threw it off of a cliff. <laughs> yeah, that really hurt, man. It's good the microphones still work, though. And you can find us all on downloadablezebras.com. And a special thanks to 8 Jazz for the use of our theme song. You can find them on YouTube or follow the link in the description. <laughs> <laughs>